Hi, this is Dan Corver, uh, pastor here at Dalton Hill Baptist Church. <clears throat> we're a small Baptist church located in Owasso, Oklahoma. We're small enough to know you, but we're big enough to serve you and for you to serve as well. Our vision is to rescue, restore, and return to service. Rescue a non-believer or a believer who has been hurt or is lost. Restoring them to Christ in fellowship with other believers with the desire that they in turn will help others along their way. really enjoy listening to somebody play and sing. It's amazing. It reminds me a lot of uh, when I watch a lot of sports, they are used to, you have a lot of people that were seven feet tall. Instead of being under the basket, they wanted to be 30 feet away and play, and you can wonder why. Uh, you often, at work, she mentions that we have a, a guy who works on the, uh, takes care of all the different uh, tankers the big black you know tankers rail cars that Mike hauls all over the country and does work but on the side he does phenomenal woodwork loves to do all this uh, woodwork and uh, makes guitars he had a mandolin he came in and he, he was uh, makes them from scratch and uh, just had it in you would never know it and uh, so it was just amazing watching it and, he said, I knew you liked woodwork or liked this stuff, and so I was showing somebody, so he brought it in there, started playing, and yeah, I mean everything, every part on her, all except for the strings, everything he made from scratch. And just when you look at it, and it's just amazing. So I love it, but I'm glad the Lord has not made us all the same, or it'd be one boring world, I guarantee you. <laughs> the uh, you remember we had the some different responses we looked at about Christmas and Bill when he was here. You remember talked about the greatest gift or you want to call it the ultimate gift, obviously, that Christ uh, came to this world and God gave. Also, last week, if you remember, we talked about with the Christmas, uh, with, the, with the kids and everything, we just did a little bit about the motive of Christmas. The motive was obviously for God loved the world, and then also we saw that Jesus loved the world and willingly gave His life. And so that comes uh, today, I think, when you look at, uh, we'll primarily be just be in the two accounts. We'll be in Matthew uh, 1 and then we'll in Luke 2. So if you want to just put those two and we'll kind of flip back and forth between Matthew uh, 1 and then uh, Luke chapter 2. And I want to ask some different questions I want to stop and think about. In Matthew chapter 1 we'll start, but first of all, what about the cost of Christmas when it comes to individuals? I think a lot of us think of cost of Christmas, but what are we thinking about? Money. We think about money and it's usually the surplus that we have. But notice what is it, when you stop and I want to look at the cost of Christmas with regard to Joseph. When you stop and think about it, uh, it talks about that uh, in verse 18, well in Matthew 1 and verse 18, you have the design. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as followed. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they became together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. But when he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place that was spoken by the Lord through the prophets might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son they shall call his name Emmanuel which translates mean God with us and Joseph rose from his sleep and did as the angel commanded him 
took her as his wife and kept her virgin until she gave birth to his son and he called his name Jesus. You stop and you think about that. It's incredible, you know, for the young man to do this. Because the angel says, believe in what has never happened and what will never happen again. You think about that, it's amazing when you stop and think of it. What about his reputation? From now until the time he dies, same with Mary, they always said he was the illegitimate son. Your reputation has changed. And you stop and you think about this, this what happened here. Uh, it's just amazing. And it's also interesting, it says he rose and immediately. What time of the night was it? You stop and think about it. Three in the morning, you get up and do exactly. God gave you a command, and I'm not waiting until morning. I'm not changing my mind. I'm doing it right now. You notice he also waited until the child was born. That way, they would never, for he and for Mary, they never could say, well, maybe this really is our child. He would know. It's also interesting. Can you imagine you have at least four sons, and you, uh, four sons and you also have daughters afterward? How would you like to be one of them and have to follow after Jesus? Can you imagine raising a child that never sinned and then having the rest of us that do? <laughs> you know, you think about that. It's amazing. You think about the cost of Joseph. It's interesting. He said he was a righteous man. That declaration was made prior to any of this. The Holy Spirit made that statement. He saw he was righteous. Notice also, he had two choices. He could, when it said he could then publicly humiliate her, could even have her stoned, but he could have that done. He wanted to put her away privately, divorce privately, and not cause her any disgrace. I think that's some great statements you find about Joseph. And the entire time, you'll also notice that none of his sons believed in Jesus until after he was already gone. Can you imagine being a righteous person, knowing the truth, and not having one of your kids believe? The cost of Christmas was very real to Joseph. What about Mary? What about the cost of Mary? Look over, and you stop and you think about the cost of Mary. Look over to Luke 1. Luke chapter 1, you'll notice it's in, uh, or chapter 2 rather, and it talks about the decree of Caesar Augustus that you had to go to your hometown, which obviously uh, would be Bethlehem. And uh, I think it's interesting when you look at it, uh, when you have this with uh, when the angel comes, and I think it's an interesting statement. Can you imagine if you were uh, Mary and you had these sort of things happen to you? Uh, well, let's go ahead and pick up on the story. I'm trying to wrote down the wrong verse. Here. That's chapter one. I said two. It's chapter one. Uh, notice it says in the same thing he had before. Which, by the way, Gabriel came to her. How many angels do we know that are named in Scripture? There's myriads and myriads of angels. How many do we? Can you name? There are three. Gabriel, Michael. There you go. Satan, very much. 
Okay, so notice Gabriel comes and talks to her. How would you feel, ladies? I mean, you think about this. Come in in verse 28. Hail, favored one. The Lord is with you. And how would you feel about 18 years of old age, whatever, and you, an angel comes in and tells you that. And notice it said she was greatly troubled and was pondering it. And notice in verse 30, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you will have found favor. The word favor there is grace. Unmerited favor. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. We call the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. What were your dreams? You and Joseph are going to get married and have a family and live happily ever after, and all of a sudden Jesus... Or, God is telling you what? You're going to have a son, obviously, in verse 34. How can this be? I'm a virgin. And the angel then answered and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the reason the holy offspring should be called the Son of God. Again, never happened before. Never happened again. And she says, How can this be? And God just, angel tells you, and says, Okay. Notice her response in 38. Mary said, Behold, thy bondslave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And that's an amazing statement. My whole life has changed. Nothing like I had planned. And I'm going to be ridiculed the rest of my life. But, your will be done. And I think it's interesting when you look at it, Obedience to God is greater than public opinion. What would public opinion tell you to do? You thought obviously we'd get rid of uh, Joseph would have divorced her. Obedience, even when it doesn't make sense, because there's no way can, this can happen. Obedience. I think also you notice in verse. I think it's interesting in thirty-seven, which is Don loves these verses. What does God say to her? Nothing will be impossible with God. How many of us really believe that nothing is impossible with God? Whether it be with Sarah, way back in the Old Testament, or throughout any time. Nothing is impossible with God. So I think it's interesting that when you look at the cost, God often reveals His plans and steps too, by the way. Joseph, how many dreams did he have? Take her. Then he has the dream... Go to Egypt. Then he has the dream, go back to Israel. Then he has the dream, don't settle there because of Herod's, the one son that took over for Herod the Great. They split it up, the three of them. Go up. That's where he then got where he came from, you know, Galilee, and where he came out of Nazareth and so on to fulfill prophecy. How many of us want God to lay out the entire plan for you? Oh, most of us, well, I'll do it, Lord, when I you tell me every plan. I'm sure Glenn was just, when he thought he was going to the mission field, staying there forever, right, Glenn? Awesome. You go, and then when the Lord closes that door and opens another, you, you don't know what it's going to be. You honestly don't know. So, first of all, I want you to think about the, uh, just one for Joseph and Mary, just the cost of Christmas. And you and I can be asking the same thing. What about the cost of Christmas? 
Second one, in Matthew, you can go back to uh, Matthew 2 now. We'll just kind of switch back and forth between the two. And since it's a, obviously an incredibly well-known story, we can get it. The commitment of Christmas. I want to think about the commitment of Christmas with the Magi. And uh, obviously we have a lot of tradition, and so tradition gets in the way of sometimes of truth. But notice, you notice in verse 1 and verse 2, it says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which is a prophecy, in the days of Herod the king, which would be Herod the Great. Behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw a star in the east and come to worship him. Stop and think about the... Who paid for their trip? Paid According to verse 16, when Herod goes to kill all the children, he kills them from two years of age and under, ascertaining when the star started to know he must be, you know, roughly that age. So if you stop and think about that, they took two years of their life to travel all the way from the star all the way to Bethlehem and then all the way back. And who paid for all that? <clears throat> You, know, you think about all that, plus their gifts and everything else. Uh, and it's interesting, they're day one step. The star was leading them, but they didn't know exactly where to go. How many of us want to know exactly where we're going to go? But, look, but I want you to look at the commitment. It's kind of an interesting too. You have the, with Herod, which we'll get in a, a minute, but I think it's interesting that they have the dedication. But notice in verse 7 and 8, Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from the time the star appeared and he sent them to Bethlehem. Which, by the way, isn't it sad that he didn't even know where they were going to be born? He doesn't know. He's supposed to be king of the Jews and he doesn't know anything about it. He tells him to go to Bethlehem to find the child and when you find him, come back to me so I can go. Yeah. yeah. We know all about his of what he wants to do. And notice, I think it's interesting... They go and they search for the child. You find that in they rejoice greatly when they saw the star was still leading in verse 10. In verse 11 it says they come to the house. Now most of the time when we look at uh, our little Christmas scenes, where do we find him? Stable. Yeah, he's still in the stable. Notice there, you know, so we have a lot of, that's why I said this was some time later. It wasn't just, you know, he was born last night and we come to him tonight. You know, it's quite a bit later. Now it's interesting, you think about it, what do they do? They saw Mary, and they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Notice it. Now here, you're talking about, tradition says there's three, and they were kings. We don't know that. But obviously, wealthy, and here you have a child, and it says they do what? They worship him. They recognize him as the Messiah, and they worship him. Their commitment to come all the way, to leave the gifts, to worship, they're, they're satisfied. No, what, did they ask anything? No. They give them treasures, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then notice, what about verse 12? Having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country in other ways. If you get caught, while you're still in Herod's territory, not having gone to him, well then what? Did you obey government? 
You have the same dilemma you have in the book in Acts 5. Do you obey God or do you obey government? You obey government until government goes against what God says. And they have a direct command from God, don't go to Herod. <clears throat> so they have, obviously they go back and uh, like they're supposed to. I want to think about it, this, this commitment. You have obviously the cost of it, the reputation, freedom, everything else that you have with Mary and, Mar- and uh, Joseph. But what about the, uh, when you think of the wise men, is my desire to worship Him or use Him? Most of the time when we come to, the, come to Jesus, do we come to worship or do we come to ask for a bunch of stuff and use it? Show me in the text where they ask anything of Jesus. Am I dedicated enough and willing enough to spend two years of my time in search for Him and everything else? And really spend all that resources and never ask one thing in return. Am I willing to go against the government and obey God? How many places in the world are you told you can't assemble? And we're getting closer and closer in our own country of what we can and cannot do. Am I willing to be directed in stages? How would you like to be directed in stages? If you're like me, I don't like to be directed in stages. I like to know more about what's going on. I don't like to go to first base and then wait. I want to know how to get to all four bases before I ever come up. But that's not a walk of faith. So here you think about it. You have the the part that you have, the cost of Joseph and Mary. You also have the you know, just the commitment of the Magi. Uh, what about the conflict of Christmas? Chapter 2, you notice in verse 3, when they come before Herod, notice in verse 3, when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Why would they be troubled? Should they not be rejoicing? Why would they be rejoicing? They're afraid that Jesus is going to do what? Change them. Change Change their word. Change their responsibilities. Why were the religious leaders all upset? You think about it, Herod was uh, part Edomite, obviously wasn't a leader, a Jewish leader that they should have had to begin with. But the religious leaders would rather have their power and have what they have. It's also interesting, they knew, uh, you know, obviously Herod in verse 4, gets the chief priests and scribes and asks where is Jesus going to be born. Now Herod should have known, but he doesn't. Now it's interesting, they know, verse 5, in verse 6, they know prophecy and they know exactly where Jesus is to be born and to be born in Bethlehem. But did they go? Here you have your religious leaders, they know scripture, they know where, but they don't care anything about going and checking it out themselves. That is really an amazing. I think it's interesting. I think a lot of us uh, do the same thing. Do I really want to know what God's doing and I really want to be involved or I'll just tell somebody else where they can go and get involved. And obviously they have the fake. We noticed they said, well, tell us where he's at so we can go worship. Uh, Any of us ever... Said, I've uh, done things like that, been a little fake. 
You know somebody, have a good day. Well, you do too. And under your breath, you're thinking what? You notice also at the failure, they're trying to, Herod kills all the children two years of age and under. Why? If he's really of God and he's God's son, do you think you can go against God and win? And he killed a lot of innocent children for no reason. You cannot change what God's plan is. Are we going to go with God's plan or are we going to go against it? And I think a lot of us have gone against God's plan on many occasions. Many times we go against. So think about it, just the conflict. Do I know my Bible any better than Herod? People ask you stuff, and I don't know. I don't know. Well, we need to find out if we don't know what Scripture said. Uh, or am I like the religious leaders? I know what the Bible says, and I'll tell you what it says, but I'm not going to do it. The conflict. What limit will I go to keep my position? You have people that will do anything to keep their position. They will. So you have the cost, you have the commitment, you have the conflict. Go over to Luke chapter 2 then for a moment. What about the... Uh, starting in verse 8. What about the shepherds? Checking out and declaring Christmas. In verse 8, can you imagine the shepherds are staying out in the field, obviously keeping watch over their flock by night, in verse 8. The angel of the Lord stood suddenly among them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. They are terribly frightened. How many of you would be frightened too? You know, seriously. I mean, you're out there and all of a sudden, which by the way, it's interesting. I don't know if you heard the report or saw the report. It was on national TV. That the that uh, 200 of Hamas soldiers have seen a vision of Jesus. Now what do you think that is? Imagine that. It's interesting. What they do with it, and it's, you hear a lot right now that a lot of you know, Muslims are getting uh, things like that. What they do with it. Notice, what are they going to do with the shepherds? What are they going to do? Notice in verse 9, I think it's interesting, uh, in verse 10, they were frightened, and the angel said to them, do not be frightened. Well, okay, how well does that work for you? Be anxious for nothing? Aren't we told the same thing? Okay. <laughs> Notice it, it has you there. I bring you good news. Great joy shall be upon all people. For today in the city of David there will be born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a Sunday. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly appeared with the angels of multiple heavenly hosts praising God saying glory to God in the highest and peace on earth with whom he is well pleased. Okay, what would you do? What's your responsibility? Aren't you shepherds? Are you going to take care of the sheep? Or are you going to go find out about this Savior? That's an interesting question. And notice, I think it's interesting... When the angels had gone away, notice the shepherds say, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened which the Lord has made known to us. Now what time is it? It's at night. The angels have told us, we're dropping everything and we're gone. Let's find this out. And notice they come in haste. 
How many of us would go in haste? Well, I wait till the morning. You know, I got to find a replacement to take care of the sheep. You all go and I'll watch the sheep. You know, we'll, you know, we'll come up with all kinds of things. And notice what it says. When they had seen verse 17, you know, they came in haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about Jesus. And all who heard it wondered all the things which were told them by the shepherds. And Mary treasured them, pondered them, and then noticed 20. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising the Lord for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. And they think about it. They were told. Did they believe it? Is it not a miracle? And how many of you think a normal place for a king to be born would be in a manger? You can come up with all kinds of reasons why this can't be the Messiah. But none of them are biblical. And how many times do we also limit people based on things that we happen to see or whatever it might be? So here you have it. You have the, the cost with Joseph and Mary. You have the commitment of the Magi. You have the conflict of Herod and the religious leaders, which they fought him all the way through. And then you have the checking out and declaring Christmas by the shepherds. But what about the closure of Christmas? I think it's interesting, the closure of Christmas. Look over in verse 25. If you'll notice that uh, in verse 22, we'll start there. It says, When the days of their purification according to the law of Moses was completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem. Now when would that be? How many days? 40. Why 40? Eight days for, for Jesus. But notice Old Testament, it says their purification. The woman was 40 days on her purification would come before him. The two of them came then for purification. And notice they could not afford a lamb because they were too poor in verse 24. They bring, what do they bring? Okay, some turtle doves, right? Pigeons. Okay, notice in verse 25, I want you to think about this now. You think somebody's coming to you and they're that poor and they're only bringing in a couple little pigeons. Notice what it says about Simon, I think the closure. Notice what it says about him. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous. Remember, this is all said before. Righteous, devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. Now we're looking for the coming of Christ. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Boy, how about that for a description? You think about it. Righteous, devout, looking for Christ's coming, filled with the Holy Spirit, controlled by him. And thus it says, it had been revealed to him in verse 26, that the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he saw the Lord. So you notice he's up in age. He came to the, in the Spirit into the temple. So he comes to the temple that day. The Holy Spirit has control of him. Which, by the way, how many times do we get up in the morning and we, are we controlled by the Holy Spirit when we leave the house? It's a good question to always ask. Lord, 
have control of me today. Because we can have people all around us that we cannot see that we need to minister to or help or whatever it might be. He's controlled by the Holy Spirit. He's looking for the uh, Messiah to come. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, so we see what he's supposed to do. Notice what it says in verse 28. When he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Now the Lord, thou dost let thy bondservant depart in peace according to thy word. Alright, I've seen the Messiah. <clears throat> you can take me home. Now how of you would say that? Lord, here's the Messiah. I want to live and see what happens. I'll, you know, because... In the Old Testament, and most of the time, they, they didn't recognize the first coming and second coming. They just thought that he was going to come and he could bring about his millennial reign and things were going to go. You promised I'd see him. I've seen him. And again, he's coming under what condition? A very poor family bringing a child. And they noticed the shepherds recognizing. The Magi recognize him. Simeon recognizes him. Lord, you've shown me. You promised it to me. I'm ready to go. And that's an amazing statement when you look at it. And he sees, he says, I see my salvation. He recognizes that Jesus is going to pay for his sin and so on. Tremendous faith. Tremendous faith. I think it's interesting when you look at the closure. You have the same thing, notice, about Anna in verse 36 to 38. And there is a prophetess Anna, the daughter, you notice, of the tribe of Asher. She is advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years after marriage. So she was married seven years, and then she noticed in verse 37, and then as a widow to the age of 84. So she was married seven years, he dies, and now she's been a widow. So, how old? You know, if you said she was 17 when she got married, 24 when he died, for the last 60 years, what has she been doing? She never left the temple, serving night and day, fasting and praying. You want a prayer warrior, how'd you like to have her praying for you? I mean, that's an amazing. Now, how many of us would be upset with God when He took away somebody that we love? And what kind of life do I have? Notice what she say. At the very moment she came up and began giving thanks to God, continuing to speak of Him. Who's Him? Jesus. Jesus. And how old is He? Forty days old. And she knows He's the Messiah. Notice what she does. She began to speak of Him to all who are looking for the redemption of Israel. How many of us are telling everybody else about Christmas? If He's the greatest gift, you stop and think about it. If I knew, the, or if I had the cure for cancer and didn't tell anybody, how many of you would think that I ought to be arrested or I ought to be tried for a crime? Seriously. Most people would think I should be tried for a crime if I had the cure of cancer and wouldn't reveal it. And yet we have the greatest gift and cure for people, but what are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? So you stop and you think about it. All these different ones that we've looked at, 
did it cost Joseph and Mary anything? But did they both willingly do it? What about the commitment of Magi? They walked by faith two years of their life, never asked one thing in return, and worshiped the Lord. What about the conflict with Herod? They didn't believe. They didn't want to lose their power and they're going to do anything they could to keep that power. What about the shepherds? They stopped everything and did what? Went by haste to go check it out. And then declared everybody on the way back what they saw. And then obviously you also had the closure. Simeon was promised. Believed it. Anna believed it. And that's all they needed. And so I think when we go into this Christmas season... It's a time where we really, what are we doing? And which one of these individuals best represents us? It's a good question to ask. Which one best represents You know, personally, I'm a real homebody, and I'd like to do it that way. Uh, Gene's one that likes to give a lot. And my kids are the same way, and it's been really kind of proud of them. I get different. So I get a call. Jesse's invited neighbors at King Thanksgiving. They're not believers, have no place to go. Back them over. Ruthie has a person she rides a horse with that's 40 years of age, is single, has nowhere to go. She invited them. Gene has a co-worker, Owen. He's a believer, but his wife has left him with the little ones. And she had invited him. He'd said no. He just texted her and said, Hey, uh, is it okay if I come have Christmas with you? I like to be by myself. It's just my family. But if you're wanting to serve people, because you have a lot of hurting people, believers and non-believers that don't know the Lord. And they want to come back to your house again. Then what are we going to do? We have a gift to give somebody. And it doesn't cost that much to buy a little more food to help people out. So what are we going to do this year? We'd love for you to come and visit with us and fellowship with us. We're located at 8263 North Owasso Expressway, which is on the east side of Highway 169 North, between 76th and 86th Street North. We have coffee and fellowship from 8.30 to 9 Sundays, followed by Sunday school for all ages from 9 to 9.45, and our Sunday morning worship service is from 10 to 11. We likewise have a Wednesday night service for all ages from 7 to 8. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, and in every way the Lord be with you all the time.